want to also welcome those who are worshiping with us on LifeGate Outreach TV. I want to say that I believe God has brought you to this message today, either you are hearing it or you are viewing it on a video. I want to say that God is allowing you to hear it today or again by reason of his divine counsel and his name will be glorified in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. We want to appreciate God for the series we have started. We are on the penultimate uh, end of that series now. And as a matter of fact, when this series started, we have been emphasizing the fact that celebrating purposeful gifts and callings is something that God wants us to do. In the body of Christ, we celebrate great giftings of ministry, great spiritual gifts of... uh, There's a cup there, thank you. Great spiritual gifts of, um, of ministry and uh, things like apostleship, of uh, things like um, pastors, evangelists, teachers. And we talk about these things and we celebrate and we thank God when we see it on people, we recognize, we say, oh, that man is a teacher. I have a lot of people that I follow. Uh, they have no clue that I exist because I just follow them online and I read their materials. I have them, they teach me in different aspects of life and ministry. Some of them teach me about the ethics of ministry, when I want to fire myself up again as to how I can serve God better in this capacity. Thank you so much, son. God bless you. How I can serve God better in this capacity, God-given privilege. I listen to some people that uh, enable me to remain focused, to remain ethical about this work and this assignment. And there are some I, I used to charge me when I, when I see the big, big projects they've done. And I see that these guys with one head like me, two eyes like me, two ears like me, have done great stuff for God. Built big buildings and, and done great stuff for God. I listen to them. I hear their stories. And I'm encouraged to understand that whatever the challenge I have today is a small fry compared to what people have done in time past. And um, of course, we celebrate those gifts and we thank God for those great servants of God, those great men and women who have, who have defied the odds. Women like Joyce Meyer, who has for decades, over five decades now, defied the odds of anything called success. And not only made success of life, but a mega success of life and a mega success of many more lives across the world. Phenomenal stuff that these great servants of God have done and are doing, and we remain eternally grateful. But this series is for us to understand that whilst all that is good, we must also celebrate the doctors, the lawyers, the engineers, the carers, the nurses, the teachers, the miners, everyone, the pilots. Everyone in those callings of life also are gifted. Believe me. Think about it. I've said it to you many times and uh, I'll say it again. Not everyone can do the job you do. You may look at that job and take it so easy and do it so casually because it's a gift or you have the ability. But not everyone can. Not everyone can. So today we are celebrating the purposeful gifts and callings of God in the persons of the security and legal professionals. Somebody say security and legal professionals. Thank you very much. God bless you. That's Abana emphasizing those two things. As you would remember, I have tried to combine the professions as much as is possible. It is impossible to go through every profession that currently exists because there are millions of professions. 
but we have tried to pick out just a few that tend to cover a lot and uh, we can associate many people who work uh, in their different spheres of uh, practice with these ones that we have picked out. We will be finishing this series next week and I just want to encourage you to take time to go over them and see how God helps us to learn some more. And if you know people who are in those professions, if you know lecturers, people who are into education research, look for the series on education. Send it to them. I just felt like that yesterday. There's a lady that I know was into business and raising businesses. And I felt something because of something she had shared with me many years ago. Uh, it's just a link. If you go to our audio uh, portal on Buzzsprouts, it's just a link. Just take that link, forward it by, your, by email. Because it just takes a minute to do that and say, I believe this message will bless you. Praise the Lord. And um, the, I, I believe that when we do that, ask them to circulate it as well. This is why we put them online, so that it can be freely accessed. Our job, our mandate, is to reach our world with the messages God is giving to us. And so we must do that which God has commanded us to do. Praise the Lord. So as we continue to celebrate these purposeful gifts today, we are celebrating the gifts of security and legal professionals. Let's read our key verses from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 and verse 11 again. Let's go, verse 10, thank you. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Verse 11. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I've explained this so many times that if we do it, we stay stagnant, we stay stable, sorry, not stagnated, we stay stable. When we are doing what God calls us to do, we are in a place of strength. We're in a position of strength. I know that many people are usually in mid-career, especially people who come into other countries. When you migrate from a country to another country, many times you find yourself at a kind of a transitional stage where you are trying to find your footing in getting into what it is. But you don't worry. As long as God is giving you the pathway to get into what you are doing, keep doing all God has called you to do diligently. But I want you to know that whatever God puts you in and he asks you to do, as you are doing it, there will be an entrance for this entrance into the everlasting kingdom supplied unto you in the name of Jesus. What that means is you will draw grace every day. You will draw strength every day. And you will find God helping you. Security professionals are God-sent people. Their work is to help keep us safe. Many times we underestimate the sacrifice that these people put themselves through and their lives through in order for us to be able to live life. They are the military personnel and other security personnel that work to ensure that we are safe from every existential threat. Now, this can be even from your local policing level right up to those that fight and defend our borders internationally. Military people, air service people, people who fight on the seas, people who protect the seas, people who protect the, the, the who fight on land, people who are involved in all kinds of policing and security guards of organizations, companies, security guards of, of, uh, of, of houses, housing estates, and so on and so forth. All these people 
are people that God has specifically gifted with the ability to be able to be sacrificial in laying down their lives, as it were. Many of them have signed an oath that they are willing to die for the sake of you and I being able to live and uh, them performing their duties. Every time I look at the wars that have taken place in this earth, on this, in this world, the significant wars, and we only have the, the lives of these men and women counted in numbers of millions that have died, it shocks me to see that at times what our world simply re- reduces them to is just numbers. But these are human beings like you and I who take up those weapons and go and confront the things and are still taking up the weapons and confronting the things that are trying to be existential threats to every one of our lives. We must celebrate their call and their gifting. It is no ordinary call whatsoever. The World War II, many of you remember that I have, I have been disturbing you quite a lot with my encounters in going to Poland and seeing the most notorious concentration camp that was in the days of Hitler, Adolf Hitler and his group, uh, those very, very dark days that we pray never returns. Uh, And um, I have been doing quite a lot of study, as I've said to you. This is a war that claimed millions of lives, directly in the battle of conflict and through the so-called final solution that was put in by the Nazi regime to just exterminate Jews and a lot of other kinds of people. Now, there are millions of people who decided to fight. They were already ravaging Eastern European countries, taking over Poland, taking over parts of Czech Republic and all those kind of countries, Austria, even France. To imagine that France, as big as it is and as strong as it is, fell to such a regime at a point in Paris is unthinkable in our day and age, but it happened just 70 years ago. And it was obvious that if the world did not put together a formidable force that can stop that tyranny, they would have run over the world very easily. They had gone into North Africa to start to press down. And you know, the moment they can conquer North Africa, that's it. Africa would have finished at that point in time. But thank God for men and women in the great leadership of the countries like the United Kingdom, in the persons of people like Sir Winston Churchill, people like Franklin D. Roosevelt of the United States, who had used their military backgrounds to become president and prime minister of these nations to rally around and form the allied forces that God used eventually to stop that onslaught of wickedness against mankind. That was about just 70 years ago. But we must... Think of the fact that these people, not only did they risk their own lives, they also put on the line the lives of millions of people. At a point, Americans had one million people, one million Americans on these same grounds of this country just to be able to fight this war. They shipped them in, in batches. And that was part of the push that eventually got rid of Adolf Hitler's evil programs. But these are loads of people that today... We have their grandchildren, great-grandchildren with us. And some of these people died in the course of those services. And some of them are still dying today in the course of conflicts all over the world. In the course of pushing back 
the threats of terrorism in pockets of different countries around the world. I make this emphasis because we don't talk much about these things. We do it once a year. We have a Remembrance Day in this country, and many countries around the world celebrate the Army Day or the Military Day, Unknown Soldier, and all those kind of things. And we do that and just skim over it. But we must be grateful as a people that God put in certain people like us the desire to be willing to die for somebody else. So I want to encourage us to continue to thank God for these gifts and to continue to know that what they are doing is in direct fulfillment of what God wants for us as a people. John chapter 15 verse 12. Jesus said something there that makes us think and should make us think about what these people are sacrificing for us. He said, this is my commandment, that you do what? Love one another as I have loved you. Let's read verse 13 together loud and clear. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. A man who is willing to lay down his life for another is a great man. A woman who is willing to die in the battle of conflict to protect another person or another person is a great woman. And so we truly celebrate this gift of God in these people and we want to thank God. There are many from different walks of life, different faiths, some Christians, some non-Christians, some of different faiths who have gone this path and have given up their lives indeed. For all that they have done, we say may God continually reward and bless them for the services that they have rendered in the name of Jesus. We know that even from the New Testament, Jesus related with a lot of military people. Many times, Jesus will be stopped by people like the centurion, who was a commander of many. And he would offer to pray for their children. Soldiers were always around Jesus, of course, right up to the time of his arrest. Roman soldiers arrested him. We heard that it was one of them that pierced his side. Another one was the one who said, truly, this must be the Son of God. So they were always around him, and Jesus knew how to relate with these people also. We must also know, because of time, we will not go into it. In Acts chapter 10, we dealt with it during our study of the book of Acts. The house of Cornelius that was transformed, the first major Gentile church that we heard of, was in the house of this man called Cornelius, who was also a Roman centurion, a military man. So God has in his plan the use of military men in diverse ways. And so we celebrate them today and the gift of God upon their lives. Then I go quickly to legal professionals. These are people who serve as barristers, solicitors, judges, lawyers, legal services people who help us to get justice. The Bible does not refer to lawyers at all. There is a lot of reference to law in the Bible. But every time the Bible talks about law in its full sense... It used to talk about those who taught the law. For example, when it talked about the people like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, it called them the teachers of the law, the teachers of the Mosaic law. So there was a law of Moses, which we all know, that these people used to enforce people to follow. But the whole structure of the Bible is centered around what we currently have as a legal system. So we having prosecutors, defense attorneys, advocates... It's a biblical concept, even though it's used in our world today, but it's a biblical concept. We have our advocate in the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And we know that there is an accuser of the brethren in the person of Satan. And we know that God the Father himself remains the eternal judge. Hallelujah. 
This is why God says we should not judge so that we shall not be judged. God ultimately is the one who judges. And every time the devil brings you and I because of our failings and our shortcomings before God, and he says to God that mercy should be withdrawn and judgment should be uh, meted out to us, our senior advocate, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said, yes, it is true. They were like that. Yes, it is true. They did just that. But because my blood was shed as the only price that was paid once and for all for the remission of the sins of many, they are justified. Hallelujah. I say you are justified in the name of Jesus. First John chapter 2 verse 1 and verse 2 tells us, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. The desire of God is that you and I will not sin. However, he said, if anyone sins, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Can you call his name very loud and clear? Jesus Christ, the righteous. Hallelujah. No advocate can ever take his place. Thank God for what lawyers do. Thank God for what solicitors do on our behalf. But we have an advocate. Let's read verse 2. Let's read verse 2. Thank you. And he himself is what? The propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for what? The whole world. God did not die only for non-Arabs. God did not die only for straight people. God did not send his son, that is, die in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gave his life for men, for women. He gave his life for heterosexuals. He gave his life for homosexuals. He gave his life for lesbians. He gave his life for people who are transgender. He gave his life for everyone. He gave his life for the Muslims. He gave his life for the Sikh. He gave his life for Christians. He gave his life for idol worshippers. He gave his life for atheists. Everyone, human being created by God. Jesus gave his life for them all. The Bible says he himself became the propitiation for our sins. Hallelujah. Every law person in this earth can only quote the law to answer the law. Jesus Christ brings his blood to answer against the law of the accuser. Hallelujah. This is why every one of us must realize what we have in this great gift of Jesus. Not only for us, like John said, but also for the entire world. This is why we must keep giving ourselves tirelessly to the message of evangelism. Keep giving ourselves tirelessly to the work of spreading the good news that there is an advocate who died for every one person on this earth. There are loads of people who are perishing by the day because the enemy comes only but to steal, for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. His desire is that no one will have access to the gift that has already been given by our senior advocate for the propitiation of our sins. But the Lord himself will continue to deliver as many that he is ordaining to be rescued from this onslaught of wickedness in the name of Jesus. Many Christians don't want to go into these professions. Many Christians don't want to be in military service. Many Christians feel that policing is corrupt, especially in less developed nations. Many people feel that military service, being in the army, being in, being in the naval service, is for people who failed at school or people who don't have intellectual capacities. I want to correct that notion that these are callings. And we should encourage, and I say it with every boldness, 
that we should encourage young people, we should encourage people who are called, who feel a calling to serve in these different capacities. We should encourage them to be there. Some of us would almost go to God and say, Lord, what have we done? If our sons come to us and they tell us that they want to join the army, we we'll go to God and say, Lord, this is the punishment I get for serving you. But it shouldn't be like that. If the young man or the young woman feels very, very strongly that that's what God is calling them to do, our role as parents is to pray and to make sure that if that is what God is calling them to do, that we encourage them to do it so. It goes also with the legal profession. Many people do not want to be lawyers because they feel that every lawyer has to tell a lie in order to survive. Lawyers don't have to lie. I know that many lawyers throw caution to the wind and they are ready to defend anything just because it helps them to maintain their jobs. But we must realize that the profession also has a place for ethical, morally ethical Christians who will always use the law to defend their clients. No matter what the clients have done, they will not lie or twist the facts to do the wrong things, but they will always be willing to allow the law to help uh, have mercy tempered even on the judgment that should have been meted out even to the accused. This is what Christian lawyers should do. And this is what we must always encourage one another to do. So these professions, I put them together specifically because they are two professions that Christians in many cases feel that they should not be a part of because they see them as professions that you can hardly be a righteous person and serve them. People think, how can you be righteous and hold a gun and kill somebody else? That is not you killing somebody else. You are in a service that is protecting people. So you are not a murderer by carrying a gun to defend a nation because it is a professional service that you are doing to fight for the cause of making sure that peace reigns and that the evil forces of darkness are not allowed to physically dominate. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Proverbs chapter 31 verse 8 tells us what God has in mind for such people. He said, open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to what? To die. Verse 9. Verse 9. He said, open your mouth, judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. This is what God wants. In recognition of the significance of this professions, security and legal professions, we must go back like we've done with every profession to see that this is really the heart of God. This is the mind of God. This is what God wants. And he's only using these people as an agent. Like we looked at divine health when we talked about doctors and nurses and people who are into healthcare. We say God's divine desire is that no one should be sick. The Bible says he is the God that heals us. So he raises people among us also to use the physical gifts of administering medicine and providing healthcare to deliver that. The same way, he said, you open your mouth. Those of you I'm calling into the legal profession, judge righteously. Plead the cause of the poor and the needy. I will not come down to plead their causes for them. I will appoint men from among you, women from among you, who would keep pleading the cause of the needy and those who are poor or less privileged. So God's perspective needs to be understood. So that we can see why we should be encouraged if we are called into these roles. And if you are listening to me by podcast or video, and um, this is a profession that you serve, and you have been finding it very daunting to remain morally upright as a Christian because of the so many pressures that come 
to you in your role in performing as God expects. Continue to rely on the Holy Spirit. Every profession needs to do that anyway. Continue to rely on the Holy Spirit to give you the wisdom. The Bible says in Luke 21 verse 15, he said, He will give you a mouth. He will give you a wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to gainsay nor resist. I want you to know, friends, that nothing is wrong in serving in these roles. All we need to do is to continue to listen to the Holy Spirit to help us. His desire is to preserve. Psalm 121, the whole chapter of Psalm 121 is very interesting, but let's read verse 7 and verse 8. Together, everybody want to go. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. Let's stop there first. He shall preserve your soul. Go back to verse 7. He shall preserve your soul. Your soul is the most important thing that God wants to preserve. The Bible says in Mark 8, 36, What shall he profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? So there is a God who desires, the God himself desires to preserve your soul. He desires to make sure that the enemy does not condemn you to hell. And so he is only using these people also to be agents of his desire in preserving us from all evil. He said he shall preserve us from all evil. The men and women who make sure that evil does not dominate over us are people that are working directly for God. Verse 8 now. The Bible says the Lord shall preserve your going out and what? Your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Hallelujah. Many years ago when I started to fly, just last month, I celebrated, just remembered, that it was exactly 40 years ago the first time I set my foot on, a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on an airplane, specifically on September the 10th. Uh, that was in the year 1978. And I was a very young boy, but I remember it so clearly that it was an experience because I, you know I'm a very, very big fan of aviation. So I was fascinated by everything. But I remember how we used to walk and board planes those days. You just basically picked your bag and just virtually walked across into planes. Very little checks. Very, very little. Very, very little. Almost none. They just checked your passport, checked your ticket, made sure that you had the, the right documents to fly. And that was it. You, you just went on a plane. But I look back and I see how much things have so transformed. Now, at times within some airports, especially some big airports, if you are going to cross from terminal to terminal, you go through security about two or three times inside one airport just to board one flight. Because the world has changed and security is becoming something of a bigger challenge than ever before. People used to smoke in planes those days. Can some of you ever imagine that? They lit a cigarette and actually smoked right there in the plane. I don't know how God helped us that those planes were not exploding those days. But then, here we are. But this is how much things were so lax. And this is now so complicated that nowadays you can't, you can't even think of some of those things that used to happen. The Bible says he is always preserving our going out and our coming in. We are all our witnesses of things that have been done in the name of terrorism just in the last 20 years alone. And we have seen how difficult it is. When I used to travel to America many years ago, before 9-11, the security was very different. Nowadays, if you are going to America, they know before you board your... Before, in fact, before the taxi that took you from your house, they've actually known. <laughs> they virtually collect your movement to know who you are because it is such a country under such a big threat from these forces of evil that is trying to fight against 
America as a nation because of what they do. America is not perfect like anybody, any nation. But America has been used significantly of God, like I told you about World War II and so many other things that have happened ever since then, to stabilize the world polity and to bring about sinness and peace all over the world. So it's a nation that is always under a lot of threat. I used to feel very bad with the security at a point that it was too much. But then it occurred to me that these people are playing the role of the one who said he will preserve our going out and our coming in. And I pray that the Lord will continue to give them better sense to keep being helpful in matters of security worldwide in Jesus' name. So God also expects us to recognize our Christian lives. And I want to bring this to a close on this. God also expects us to recognize our Christian life as service or Christian life as military service for the sake of the kingdom of God. First thing we realize is that these professions are a gift Second things we realize is that they are doing exactly what God would have wanted to do. Preserve our lives. Defend us against every kind of evil judgment. But third thing we must realize is that we also are called into forms of military service that we must not step away from. We read, for those of you who are listening to this on podcast or watching the video, we read earlier on in the course of the service, Nehemiah chapter 4 from verse 10 to verse 23. We read it as our scripture reading, but I want us to go straight to verse 19 and look at what Nehemiah said in causing the work that God has given him to do. You all know the story of Nehemiah. We have shared it a few times. He was called by God, inspired by God to go and rebuild the broken down walls of Jerusalem. And so he led the people there and uh, this work was going on. But they were constantly being threatened, just like the body of Christ is always constantly being threatened today. But look at what he said. Let's read verse 19 together. He said, Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work is what? Great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. This is what the devil tries to do, to separate the body of Christ, to separate us and disengage us from actively working together as one. He said, we are far from each other. He said, the work is great and we're celebrated from one another on the wall. Verse 20, he said, wherever, let's go now, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Who will fight for us? Our God will fight for us. Who will fight for us? Our God will fight for us. He said, wherever you hear the sound, Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. The sound of the trumpet is the call to prayer, is the call to action, is the call. He said, wherever you hear it, wherever there is a call to pray, friends, let's rally there because that is the place we meet with God to fight for us in our Christian battles. We must not forget that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood in the Christian life. But we are wrestling against who? Principalities and powers. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Evil forces of darkness. The Bible says we must keep hearing, listening to the voice of the trumpet. And every time we call the trumpet, we call for prayer, we call for intercession. We must rally there because God who is there will fight for us. Let's go to verse 21. They say, so we labored in the work and half of the men held what? Spears from daybreak until what? The stars appeared. Spears are weapons of war. People who are building a wall normally do not hold spears. When we are building for God and we want to advance the kingdom of God, we must have our spiritual spears. 
The Bible talks about us using our whole armor of God. And one of the things he talked about is the sword of the spirit. Hallelujah. Verse 22, he said, at the same time, I said to the people, let each man and his servants stay at night, watching through the night, praying in the night. In this church, we pray every morning, Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. Some of those prayer points that we are offering today, we don't know how far they are preserving destiny. We pray for men, we pray for women, we pray for children. We stay up, we wake up early in the morning to uphold these things. We pray for Brexit, we pray for the nation, we pray for transformation in the lives of people. We pray that God's people will be delivered from the devices of wickedness. The Bible says, let each man and his servants stay at night in Jerusalem that they may be our guard by day and night and a walking party by what? By day. We walk by day. We do the things we do by day, but we walk, we pray at night. When you see any kind of victory in the daytime, it has been birthed in prayer at night. Hallelujah. We must understand that this is the way that God expects us to engage. Psalms 144 verse 1 and verse 2. The Bible says, Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains what? My hands for war and my fingers for what? For battle. Verse 2. He said, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer. My shield and the one in whom I what? I take refuge who subdues my people under me. Every one of us must realize that we are in a war zone. Christianity is a lot of fun, but it is not funfare. It is warfare. Christianity is a mystery. It's a warfare that you fight in joy and peace. It is indescribable. We are at peace. We are not afraid. But we must recognize that we must not be relaxed. We must not be like the world who is casual. The definition of Christianity has shifted to all kinds of things. People have turned it to a political association, a societal gathering. A coming together of people who have the common cause of what they like. Nothing of all that defines what Christianity is. Christianity is about a call into the body of Christ. A militant people. Let's go back to verse 1. A militant people whose hands are taught how to fight. Whose hands are taught are trained for war. And fingers are trained for battle. Spiritual warfare and spiritual battle. Every time you read the weapons of our warfare in Ephesians 6, you must remember that you need your hands to put everything on. Whether it is your belt of truth or your breastplate of righteousness or your helmet of salvation, you must know how to put them on. That's why he said he trains my hands, my hands, my hands. It is all a spiritual connotation to understand that we must know how to put these things on. Everything in the weapon of our warfare requires a trained hand to use. Whether it is the shield of faith or the sword of the spirit or the helmet of your salvation or the belt of, of, of truth or the breastplate of righteousness or your gospel that you've shod with your feet. Everything. How many of you used your head to wear your shoes today? Anybody like that here? You used your two hands. Your hands always put things on. When you want to wear your hat, you put it on with your hands. The Bible says he trains our hands for war. So our hands are spiritual elements in our bodies that allow us to know how to engage with the weapons of our warfare that are not carnal, but are mighty through God. Christians must understand that we are called 
to continue to pray for these great people who physically serve in the legal profession and in the security profession, but we must also know that we are called into a life of discipline. Discipline means that we stand to pray when we ought to pray. This Friday, we will be having a praise warfare here. And you know, I am shocked at our generation of believers when we trivialize the power of such things. I have had countless deliverances, countless ideas, countless breakthroughs in the place of worship over my life as a person. I can tell you categorically in those meetings many times, things that have transformed my life and have changed me from one level of glory to the other came because I just stood up and worshiped with God's people. The Bible says Jehoshaphat came and he said to the people, when you hear the blast of the horn, he said, you will not need to fight in that battle. That is how God is still taking away battles today in the place of praise. But how many believers are presenting themselves in the place of being trained for the warfare? How many believers? How many believers? We must come to the place where we understand specifically that we are trained for war and we are trained for battle. We must engage with prayer. We must engage with praise. Psalm 75 verse 6, the Bible says, Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Then the earth will yield forth her increase. Some of the increase that people are toiling for and struggling to get, positions that people are scrambling to get, when God's people pray and they praise, many of those things yield of their own accord to us because we are engaging the forces that are beyond the ordinary forces. Hallelujah. You and I must understand that this is what is called. Paul's charge to Timothy, my last scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Paul's charge to Timothy, he said, You therefore, my son, be what? Be strong. Tell your neighbor for me, be strong. strong. Say Christianity. Christianity. Say to them, Christianity Christianity. is about being strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The problem with us is that we are trying to be strong in our strength. We are trying to be strong in our physical capacities. Can everybody who is outside there come into the church please people should come into the service when they are in the service people should not be talking about come into the service and sit down there please he said you therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in christ jesus be strong in the grace that is in christ jesus verse three verse three he said verse three please he said you therefore what Sorry, let's go to verse 2. Verse 2, thank you. Verse 2. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, do what? Commit these to faithful men who will be able to do what? Teach others also. My dear brothers and sisters, if we don't apply ourselves to training and no spiritual warfare, what are we going to teach our children? What are you telling your 10-year-olds about fight of spiritual fight? How to fight the good fight of faith. If an adult has not applied themselves to prayerfully understanding spiritual warfare, how can we tell young people and mentor young disciples, people coming up in the faith, about how to fight the good fight of faith? The Bible says, when you have heard it from me, commit it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The reason we are getting more and more weak, weaker and weaker in the body of Christ today is because we are not teaching the right things to the generations coming. We are not letting them know that son, daughter, the Christian life is the best. It is the only life. It is the only way. But it is a life of warfare. When I drag my people out of bed in the morning, I drag them. At time. Once we finish 6 a.m. prayer, I'm calling everybody down. That's how we do now in my own house. Everybody come down. You see some of them coming with tough eye like that. <laughs> I tell them, son, you've got to do this. We've got to do this. We have no life without prayer. 
We have nothing without prayer. We have nothing without God. And the only way you engage God is by praying. By warring on a daily basis. So we finish warring together as a church. Then we go as a family. We war together again. So by the time you reach work, doors start opening for you by themselves. <laughs> they have to open for you. Hallelujah. We have to commit these things to keep teaching one another. We want to see a generation of children who will take this work to another level. You therefore must endure hardship. I say what? I say what? I say what? Good soldier of Christ. You must endure hardship. Believers today will face one small challenge. You won't see them in church for three weeks. And you ask them, what is it? You say, ah, pastor, I'm going through a lot. When you are going through a lot, that's why you must find your way to the church. Hallelujah. That is when you must find your way to the assembly of the saints. Because when you find yourself there, you enable yourself to war more. Verse 4, verse 4. And I'm going to close on that, I assure you. No one, let's read together. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Tell your neighbor for me, you are a soldier. Enlisted by God himself. By God himself. He said that you may please him. You have not come to please me. You have not come to please the choir people. You have not come to please anybody here. You have only come to please him who enlisted you as a soldier. And I decree that your life will continue to be well pleasing unto him in the name of Jesus. Friends, we are celebrating security and legal professionals indeed. But I want us to know that our lives, our Christian life is nothing but doing the same work spiritually. We must continue to intercede like lawyers do. We must pray for our nation. Many people are sleeping and waking up and people are taking decisions in Brussels or no decisions at the, extent, at, the, at the expense of 300 million lives that includes you and I. And we are not praying. Maybe 12 people, 10 people at the most. And we are not praying. People are talking against the prime minister anyhow they like. Christians must not do such things. Pray for the woman. Pray for the woman. You think it's an easy thing? It's no easy job. It's no easy job. In the first instance, and I know she doesn't mind me saying this, she was not for the Brexit anyway. Was she? Was she not a Remainer? Uh, people, don't, people forget that because she's a politician and she, she, she had to become prime minister. She's doing a job, a service for the nation. The nation must pray for Theresa May that she will be wise enough, she will be strong enough, she will take the decisions and she will lead this country to a Brexit that will bring good governance to the glory of God in the name of Jesus. Let's rise to our feet and that is our first prayer point right now.